0: And my members, I want to welcome you to another edition of our Conversations with Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we have Bruce Johnson, President and CEO of GHX, talking with Ryan Rotar, the Executive Director of Supply Chain at UNC Health. Bruce and Ryan talk extensively in our podcast about the future of data, digital innovations, AI, inflation and many more topics. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's listen now to Bruce and Ryan.
1: Um, hey Bruce, I wanted to thank you very much for certainly being part of the SMI Conversations with podcast series. As technology and data continues to be critical and more critical for supply chain, I know that members of SMI will be eager to get perspective on what is going on now, in the short-term, in the long-term regarding innovation and otherwise. So welcome Bruce and let's go ahead and get started. So we all know Texas is at the forefront of the the big data movement and I'm curious to hear about how the elements and demands raised around the pandemic um, and how you pivoted to meet these requests of your customers during this time.
2: Uh sure. Well, obviously Brian, you know, the pandemic everyone was looking for data that could help uh forecast, you know, what and where the product shortage um might be coming from and they also were desperately looking for uh, alternatives or substitutes because there were so many products that were either on back order or only available through vendors that they maybe hadn't done business with before. So a lot of concern uh, about how do they bring in those critical supplies that would still meet their quality and, and safety standards. So in response to that, we, we took a few approaches to, to help the industry. We first of all collaborated with Expression Networks. Uh, they're a provider of technology solutions to the government community. Uh, And they developed, along with GHX, they helped develop a unique prototype uh, that helped predict supply constraints uh, and overlaying that with disease hotspots uh, across the US. And then we also were active in the PPE space. We partnered with AHA and ARM. Uh, We vetted more than 1,100 new PPE vendors. So that helped to minimize the need for every hospital to try to go vet every potential uh, vendor uh, and obviously try to eliminate you know, bad actors and uh, counterfeit products into their supply chain. Um, and then ultimately, you know, driving that higher confidence, uh, which is such a big need uh, at the height of COVID. And then we also tried to help with uh, our hospitals and provider community to reduce the shortages uh, or the impact, I should say. We build a critical supply chain reference list that help providers identify uh, clinical equivalents. And then we also uh, provided, uh, complementary access to our uh, evidence-based research, which helped provide quick reference list of COVID-19 related supplies uh, with potential shortages. So I know there's a lot going on in that um, space in general, but those are a few of the things that we were active on. Well, sounds like you did quite a lot to help. I, I'm going to ask an off
1: the the cuff question here, and hopefully you'll let me get away with it. But at, at the top level, what would you say the main value proposition or the main value of coming to work for GHX would be for somebody in the job market?
2: Well, the the purpose that that people really you know lean into is you know they they love the fact that they're coming to a company that's focused on uh, helping improve the the data and insights um that ultimately will drive not only efficiency in healthcare but also ultimately enabling that better patient care. Yeah. And so that that for a lot of people that purpose becomes, you know, I've had people come up to me and say I was looking at three technology jobs but you know this one and you guys can measure the difference you're making and um you know in many areas we're building stuff that hasn't ever been done. So that's that's an added innovation benefit but that's that's probably the biggest piece,
1: Ryan. Excellent, I appreciate that. And thank you for being candid there. And, um, you know, I've known you for quite some time. We've known each other for quite some time. And my my view of, of you and your team's a little bit different as it relates to collaboration, just because of things like SMI or ARM or various conferences that we go to. But can you talk about the collaboration between providers and suppliers a little bit and how you see that changing, but specifically now how it's changing because of the pandemic?
2: uh sure um by the way i'm going to continue being candid if that's okay please do (laughs) um you know that's that's where we've we've really focused on the collaboration between the providers and suppliers and again trying to ultimately enable that improved patient care um and so our role you know that we take very serious is, is looking at you know how do we create solutions that has that have joint value uh, because that joint value uh, is important for adoption. But then it's also, you know, in this in this new world, you've really got to be looking at what's the impact to improving the patient care. So that's where, you know, we've, number one, we've worked with uh, HERC, which is the Healthcare Industry Resilience Collaborative. And that's uh, focused on, you know, one of the biggest issues is really trying to create that greater trust and, and SMI from the meetings I've been at you know, we've talked about that for years, but we really have to work on building that. So Herc, uh leveraging some of the data from our network um, to help their consortium, we've been really looking at resiliency metrics that ARM has defined. And so that's things looking at like national fill level rate uh, for products and category back order rates. Um, demand is really, I, I would say coming out of the pandemic demand and understanding that better is uh something that we've always talked about we talked about it at smi we've talked at ghx events i think there's a renewed uh uh, emphasis around that and then also working with Herc on the development of kpis and industry benchmarks um, that can inform uh, provider and supplier scorecards and you know that's really complementary to some of the perfect order stuff that we've done at smi Uh, and then finally um, you know I mentioned this before, but there's, um, you know, there's the pandemic, there's really two areas that we're seeing intense focus. I mentioned it before on demand planning and forecasting, uh, but that's trying to do it at scale. So we can do that in smaller bites, but trying to do that at scale. And then, you know, automating those processes uh, that still need, you know, manual intervention. And, And that's where just last week, I was at a supplier site and, you know, they they were talking about that as such a key area because they're working back in their supply chain on OEM uh shortages and they're trying to have better visibility uh to demand. And so the, the piece that I thought was interesting is that's something where um with the higher staff costs, because of what we just talked about with the you know, great resignation and trouble getting people. And if, when you do, uh it's at higher cost, it's actually, I think, creating a tailwind because you've got Um, your ROI, you can get to so much faster. So we still need to execute on that, but I think that's a big area for our industry to to use the pandemic tailwinds on to to really drive that visibility and demand.
1: That's very cool, Bruce. You guys are certainly doing a lot to increase engagement and connectivity between everybody. And just a quick follow-up, we've talked a lot about change and change management and what's happening in industry. But I don't know about you, but I'm seeing more and more entrants into the supply chain kind of adjacent space, whether it's technology or otherwise, and there's a lot of new trends and technology that are coming out as well. But what are some of the new trends that you see regarding data and innovation in this space? And how do you think it relates to business operations, clinical decisions that we're going to have to make over the, let's say, one to three years?
2: Sure um well just as a backdrop or kind of some context you know our primary business we see is is managing data and data process flows that then obviously flow into analytics and hopefully actionable insights and so we've we've put a lot of work into you know we have a number of patents on our corex exchange platform um that are there to really drive redundancy uptime but also now there's things with cybersecurity. um but also with, with uh, uh, data analytics that help uh, Dave drive uh, data quality. So, you know, coming back out to a macro trend, I would say there's a couple that are top of mind, uh, including uh, predictive and prescriptive analytics. Uh, two examples that I'll walk through. One is uh, digital twin, which is a virtual representation of something in the real world. So think of it as you could have a subset of your supply chain or maybe it's your end-to-end supply chain with one of your partners. But you basically, you use this digital twin to simulate a scenario virtually. And you're trying to basically test and pilot things without going all the way through the expensive integration. So we're we're looking at that to help um, mitigate risk and improve outcomes. I know Medtronic's using this approach to optimize its um, supply chain and J&J's using it for, product innovation. So that's one that's um pretty cool. And then uh human in the loop um uh, machine learning is is a separate branch of AI that uses um you have pe- people obviously human in the loop. Uh, <laughs> I I just want to make sure you're tracking with me. No, I got you. It's a yeah, human in yeah, the loop. So that's a human. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and that's where um you know you have extracts um of data informed insights from people and so that's where those can be you know analyzed real time but then you're putting some of the things in front of um you know a team of people that can then help drive more real time data driven recommendations and so we're optimizing that you know right now um at GHX to optimize and scale our our data curation work um so it's basically be a it's a one hundred x Uh, productivity gain. So we're able to get after a lot more data, um, you know, in a much, much uh, smaller amount of time. So anyway, a lot of uh, detail I could go into, but I think, you know, AI and machine, machine learning, they're going to, you know, be there for the long term. but it, how it gets used uh, will ultimately, you know, be, be different. You have to have good data. And I know that uh, in our 22 years of doing it, you know, gathering the data and having that accurate information in there, um, you know, used to be in the 2000s, you'd have 40% of the POs that had discrepancies, Uh, but now across the entire network, because you've got the uh, data analytics that, you know, clean data on the fly, but also because of the integration, you have data discrepancies, um, you know, holistically in the single digits that's across the whole platform and you know obviously your institution and others some of those are getting you know really really low as it relates to the the top players uh in the gh excellence categories so that's that'll be an area to continue to to watch because i think you'll see a lot more improvements there
1: yeah i mean I, I think it's always a work in pro progress right i don't think anybody's ever done so inflation Supply shortages, sourcing, these are all areas, uh, certainly that SMI members are dealing with at the moment. Um, I'm curious what strategies might they employ to tackle some of these challenges and come out stronger
2: on the other end? Well, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I think um, on one hand, we've got obviously the employee shortages and and scarcity of resources, Um, but that is driving a faster, more significant ROI for automation, so I think, um you know that'll be something we're going to continue to to see going forward and then you know we just did a survey with our senior across senior healthcare leaders uh in the u.s on the strategies they're employing uh or planning to employ uh you know on these very challenges and 80 percent of them indicated that increasing automation um to reduce that manual labor is going to be key and, and we saw that at, at some of our um hospitals where Well, I have some of my invoices automated, but not all. And they, you know, when you move to external people working from home, it's like, okay, that's not really acceptable. I need to get, you know, full automation. So I think you're going to continue to see that. Uh, So beyond, you know, focusing on eliminating the, you know, waste and unnecessary manual work, it's going to be um, something where you're also going to be looking at in that, in this environment where you've got supply shortages and inflation, I think there's going to be more of a view into, you know, are you using the, the products appropriately? Do you know how much that product are you, you know, how much do you know about it before you're using it? Um, are you able to estimate how much you're gonna need? We know that's tough in our, our business uh, in patient care, but, you know, trying to look at, you know, inventory, what might be expiring, um, you know, so you're not incurring these rush charges. I think those will be areas that, um, again, this may create the, the ROI is with inflation becomes, you know, worth, the juice is worth the squeeze, so to speak. So um, I think that, and then finally, um, you're gonna continue to see people tapping into, you know, clinical evidence to help, um, you know, not only understand the appropriate clinical use, um, but may also help with, you know, product selection and, and ordering. So. You know, for example, you may need one type of urinary catheter for the nursing ward, but you're gonna get a, a completely different one for a, a burn unit. So um, those are some of the things that I I see as, uh, you know, trends that are gonna maybe get a little bit more tailwinds with, with this current environment.
1: You know, one of the things I'm taking out of your last set of comments there, Bruce, is the fact that with inflation and labor costs, it's um, the ROI point comes sooner now than it ever has before, um do you think with that obviously, I think mean, the answer here is yes, but interested to discuss do do you think some of those maybe on the bubble solutions or areas of automation or standardization are likely to come faster now than they did previously, just because of yeah. inflation and labor and otherwise
2: yeah a- absolutely because that's that's where um you know you just you're sitting around looking at um Okay, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, hey, here's here's the um, here's the cost to be doing these things manually and having, you know, 10% error rates. Well, yeah. that that adds up because you know at different events that I'm talking to, um, you know, healthcare leaders and supply chain leaders, it's a tough market regardless of whether you're in healthcare to get people. And the ones that you're getting are more expensive, so I, I absolutely think that, from an automation perspective, uh, you're just going to have, you know, your time to ROI and what that ROI is going to be a lot faster and bigger. So that's that to me is um, that if there's a silver lining to the inflation and some of the you know shortages, it's going to be that automation and visibility are going to be something that's going to be valued uh at a much higher level
1: yeah i i would agree with you there and you know hopefully this whole experience of the pandemic inflation great resignation otherwise has just made everybody stronger and more aware of what's really important so i'm almost done with you i promise we'll we'll get you out of here in time for dinner uh so into the last one i'm i'm into the home stretch, as it was. What What are you most hopeful for in the future of healthcare? But I would say more specifically, what do you see um, as the care of the future for
2: our patients? You know, I guess. Uh, well, first of all, I uh, I think you told me that hope is not a strategy. So, uh, but I, I'm optimistic. I'm uh, I'm optimistic and hopeful that you know we can you know create a much you know, as it relates to the patients, uh, that that future of healthcare, you know, it's much more affordable, the quality level, um, you know, is higher because, you know, we've been able to create um, much stronger and more expansive industry-wide collaboration. So that's gotta be, you know, built on greater trust and, you know, getting the right data and the right insights um, and technology to, YOU KNOW, DRIVE THAT PATIENT-CENTERED DECISION-MAKING, AND SO THAT'S EASY TO SAY, BUT THE UNDERPINNINGS OF THAT, I THINK, YOU KNOW, IT'S GOING TO BE TRUST, AND THEN I I THINK THERE ARE DIFFERENT DRIVERS TODAY THAT MAY BRING, um, YOU KNOW, FOLKS TOGETHER AT THE TABLE to, TO LOOK AT HOW WE DO THINGS DIFFERENTLY, THAT'S, um, YOU KNOW, PART OF IT, AND THEN I THINK THERE'S A LOT OF, um, THERE'S SO MANY DYNAMICS RIGHT NOW WITH HOW THINGS ARE MOVING. To the ambulatory surgery center, to home care, um, personalized drugs. There's just a lot of things that I feel that uh, are are helping us look at things through a different lens. And I think the pandemic showed us, um, you know, what can be achieved when we work together. And and that's that's something that um, you know I I believe um, we've got to take advantage of right now because we have traction with that. And then finally, you know, I. I feel like we're we're living in a pretty exciting time right now because there's there's a lot of focus and a lot of technology and things we were talking about on the innovation with um data and analytics that I I think this can be a digital transformation like we've never seen. Yeah. So that's that's where I feel like we really have to to seize that opportunity and really simplify healthcare. Yeah, indeed. And I'm certainly excited to be.
1: Part of what's next, especially with folks like yourself, GHX and SMI, um, I have I have one more kind of off the cuff question. If you had to give SMI members that are listening to this, or really anybody in our industry, one piece of parting advice,
2: what would it be? Well, um, I think the um, advice that I would give is something I learned within our uh, SMI Perfect Order team, and that that was um and i think it applies to a lot of aspects of of business which is um start with the end in mind with the outcome that you want but don't design for perfect design for you know a viable starting point and then you know evolve and, and go from there and and that that uh that's kind of boring advice by the way <laughs> It is off the cuff, but I think, uh, that's what I would give unless it was, uh, unless you provide other context on anything else, but that's, that's how I would answer it. No, you're good.
1: I I really appreciate it, Bruce. And this has been a total hoot for me and very beneficial for everybody who's listening. And I can't thank you enough with your busy schedule for taking the time to talk with me today. So on behalf of the SMI community, I just want to say thank you and wish you and all of your team at GHX the best. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Ryan, and um, all the best to you and the UNC team and to uh, the SMI team. Thanks everybody. Thanks all.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in today to our Conversations With podcast. And I wanna especially thank Bruce Johnson, president and CEO of GHX, and Ryan Rotar, executive director of supply chain at UNC Health. And I wanna remind you to please tune in to our next Conversations With podcast coming soon.